I got COVID hair. Look at that COVID hair. <laughs> I just stopped caring about like half of the obligations of my life. One of them being getting a haircut. You want some? You look like you could use some of mine. Oh, I shaved, my, I shaved my head this morning. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. You just do it for the looks. COVID taught me that I don't need to go to the, the barber anymore. That's true. I can just. You know, I was thinking about that. Like, I wonder if, um, like, people are like, "Oh, I could get away with working like three and a half hours a day, and like not seeing half the people in my life that I don't care to see, and it's like my my life is much better." <laughs> I think most people. I don't. I don't think there's a realization that you only need to work three and a half hours today. I think people knew that even when they were going into the office. <laughs> True that true that man so we have some um we have some topics here but we we just spent like how long did we just spend working all on day <laughs> basically all day um three three and a half hours three... <laughs> <laughs> uh we are back in the office here hanging out for a little good friday afternoon fun gonna go down and get some grub and drinks in the west village after this looks like it's a nice day it was a little rainy yesterday but i think today and tomorrow are gonna be good weather so i'm excited about that we only have a few weeks left man it's gonna get cold soon and everyone's gonna be like what are we doing not going outside so yeah. <laughs> i'll give myself permission to go outside every opportunity i can even that if that means making moscow mules on a sunday night going to the pier playing uno it's a good time um we came in and i had started adding carbon ads to miragejs.com and I thought it was going to be like really fast. And it was the first 80% of it. <laughs> the classic Ryan smack my forehead move. No, what what made it so complicated? Uh, SPAs. Yeah. I was going to say React, but it's not. I don't think it's React. No, it's, S- yeah, it's SPAs. You know what's interesting is that someone had a, um, someone had a version of the Carbon Ads component uh, library, but it was with a class component in React. And I was wondering if there would be fewer bugs with it because it doesn't re-render all the time. But it, I looked at it, and there was no notion of cleaning up or timing at all. So it was a very naive implementation. So I didn't test it out, but I'm almost certain that it would have basically the same bug that the one we were working on had. Um, yeah, basically, we want to add carbon abs to miragejs.com. And so... Um, what do you do to do that? You basically drop a script tag in. This is a very weird API, by the way. Um, Normally with like third-party stuff, you load script tag in the head and then the code is available for you to call, you know? Mm -hmm. So like maybe you load a Google Maps API and then you have a new function called like ga.maps.initiate that you call from your like React code. And like Gatsby, which is what Mirage is and even like Next and other tools all have like hooks for adding third-party scripts to your bundle like via script tag in the head or something code that is not in an ES6 module format that can't just be imported and bundled by Webpack like the rest of your code can, right? And so Carbon has a script tag as well. But the weird thing about Carbon script tag is that you put it where you want the ad to show. So they're doing it. You can tell why. It's like a clever API, right? It's like, oh, it's so easy. Just put this right inside of the Flexbox container in your HTML markup and you'll have an ad, you know, which is, but it's weird. Yeah, it is, it's funny, right? It's for server-rendered apps. It's clever. It's great. Just drop it where you need it. Yeah. yeah. And it like, I think it just basically, so what it does is it fetches the, the script that's in the source tag, and then it fetches some, that stuff runs and fetches some more stuff, probably based on like the ID you gave it so that I can like check to see that like Mirage.js is registered with Carbon and it's valid. And if so, pull the latest ad um, for it. And then it like uses, you know, parents and it starts appending children basically to like wherever that script tag is, <laughs> which is exactly what you want to hear as a React developer, a yeah. foreign script that starts appending children to your, your app. <laughs> but um, so that's what it does. And if you just drop it, it does just work and you can just move it into a component. I actually had a really cool experience when I first did it because, um, you know, to, to create Oh, this was a question that I, I haven't gotten answered yet. But first, I try to just put the script tag in JSX. Yeah, that's what I was. Yeah, that's what I was. Gonna I don't ask. think it works. It didn't work for some reason. Like okay. it, it wouldn't actually work. Um, so I don't know why, but it didn't like load the the thing. It didn't. It didn't work. I can't. I I meant to ask you that. That was one of the things, but we just got into it right away. But anyways, that was the first thing I tried to do. Then what I ended up having to do is using an effect. 
our best friend, Mr. Use Effect. He's like a grumpy landlord, you know, and it's like when you have to go or a, a bad uh, super, you know, and you're like your dishwasher has been broken for like three and a half weeks. And you're yeah. like, I don't want to call my super, but I have to. That's how I feel every time I have to import use effect. <laughs> so I was like reluctantly knocking on his door, import that that bad boy. And then you do like document.createElement script, you know, and then you do script.source equals is rubbish. And um, and then you give it an ID, which is part of the contract. And then for it to actually work, you have to append it to the DOM, right? So some of the examples show like document.body.append. But again, this one, it needs to be where the ad is going to be rendered. So uh, I started off by just doing it in this like layout component where our stuff was because I wanted it on the side of the sidebar. So I made a new div in the sidebar, used ref, got access to it, and then appended it to that guy. And then it worked. And it was pretty cool. And then um, it all worked. And um, I was like, all right. So I keep going. And then I need to figure out how to put it on the mobile view. And in the mobile view, we have like a separate component that's rendered. And it's like a totally different layout. Um, now, both of these desktop and mobile layouts are rendered at the same time because um, we used to use JavaScript to determine whether to render the desktop or mobile layout. But that's not robust to server-side rendering. So these days, we just use tailwind classes basically css so that the whole app renders and then you just conditionally high parts of it so that it's really nice and easy for ssr um so i wanted to render another instance of the carbon ad into the mobile layout but the problem was that now you have two instances of it running right mm -hmm. and uh i don't even know if this thing is working right now because like my computer just shut off looks like it is seven minutes in does that sound right it used to be called caffeine or caffeinate <laughs> They've, they've really upped it yeah <laughs> it's COVID times you're eating more powerful drugs all of us <laughs> um all right i'm i'm on my computer's on drugs right now so it's not gonna go to sleep um so i wanted that other instance but like the way the the contract for the script is that it doesn't you know it, it's only it's a singleton like it can only work on one thing because you give that script an ID of like carbon ads. And then if you if it does it again, it's like carbon ads underscore one. And like the styling gets messed up. Wait, so this is interesting. You can drop the script wherever you want it. And that's where it will render on the page. But if you drop more than one script, it breaks. Yeah, I think technically it does work. Um, but um, it just uh, is not supposed to. And it will mess up the impression count that they were they were saying as well. So they were saying you should only have it in one spot. You should only have it rendered once at a time, basically. Okay. It was also messing up the styling. I think I could have worked around that, but I wanted to do it right. Yep. And so that didn't work. So first it was cool because I had an effect. I had a ref and I returned a div. And those were intermingled with the rest of our layout component code. And it was rendering the ad. And then I just grabbed them and put them into a carbon ad component. And I rendered carbon ad at work. And I was like, man, this is awesome. Like just cutting and pasting. And like these different layers, but they're all just right there. It was really cool. That was a really cool thing, but it didn't work because of other reasons, but that part did work. So then I started trying to think about how to get this to be a singleton. And then I removed the one from the mobile layout and went back to just desktop. And even with just desktop, there was a bug where you load the docs page, which has a sidebar and renders the ad. You go back to the home page and you come back to the docs page. And that's what we basically spent all day on you can get two versions of the ad rendering because the script loading is async. And so what happens is the first time you render it, the script starts loading, you cancel it, React unmounts it, but the script is still loading. The browser is still fetching it. And then by the time you come back again, the first script now comes back and now it has a container where it can operate on, but then you've also done it a second time. So you get two instances of the ad show up. Um, so uh, that led us down this path that we were on to, for our whole workday today, our whole three and a half hour workday, and um, trying to figure that out. So pretty interesting stuff. Um, I went down a, a few different solutions. I was trying to, uh, ideas for how to solve this. I was trying to say like, okay, well, if there's a version of the script tag that's already fetching, then we don't do it again. But like, how do you know that? okay, script tags have an onload event. So I can say, if that hasn't fired yet, we know we're fetching. Problem is that the script fetches another script. So the original script's onload will fire, but it won't actually be in the DOM. That took me a while to figure out actually, because like the onload would fire and I would see a console log, but then the ad wouldn't show up for like a, another P 
period of time. And I was like, what's happening? Yeah. Um, and it was, I looked at the network tab and there was like another request that was being made. Cause I was hoping like by the time it loaded, um, it would be like synchronously running and then I would just know. Yeah. On load definitely isn't enough. I mean, just based off what you're describing, it's, you could also imagine like the script loads, but then it fetches data from a server to figure out like what ad to show or something like that. Exactly. But if it just was running code, it would be nice. I mean that, I think that would have helped a lot. There was this other thing someone on Twitter suggested where you can like uh, defer execution of a script so you can fetch it and then you can call dot execute on it. So I was thinking like, oh, I could just fetch it ahead of time and then it would just be like synchronous code. It would make this whole thing easier because when React unmounts, there's nothing happening. I can just load it and and just not call dot execute if it's unmounted. Mm-hmm. So that would be like a fetch request. That's like what we do with fetch in an effect. And we check if it's mounted before we run the callback, right? Because like if there's a fetch happening and you unmount the component, you can't cancel it, but you can just not do the right. follow-up. So I was like, oh, that's perfect. But then again, even if that, but it turns out that doesn't, it's not a standard thing, first of all. So it doesn't even exist. Oh, what, it, it existed like, like five thing? years ago or something in like okay. Firefox. Okay. Um, but it would be pretty cool. But it w- it still wouldn't have helped because... Because you need that second Exactly. Because yeah. dot effect, unless dot execute was like a promise or something. But yeah. What they really need to do, need to do is give you a promise. You know, give you a proper API with a promise. That would make all this a lot easier. But... Um, so basically that that ruled that out and so now you're like okay how can we know whether or not this thing has started running and if it's still running like after react has unrendered the component and there's basically no way around it because you can't differentiate whether the thing hasn't started at all and it needs to run or it ran and it just didn't have a chance to mutate the dom yet there's no way that we could think around it basically yeah without like i don't know some crazy hacking like trying to proxy whether the final script is loaded via some new global variable it introduced or something like that but within the land of react it felt like it was impossible so this kind of threw me because i felt like there should be a way even you should part of me feels like they give you all the tools you need such that if you have like a foreign script you know like a, a a script that is like you don't control you have the tools you need to wrap it but we couldn't really figure it out i mean if that script is gonna figure out where it's inserted and execute code and modify the page is it is so it maybe real? there is a way but it's not worth it it's like the script is like appending children and rendering things and you're just like all right i'm gonna keep it separate yeah and then let the react code do its rendering you know so then we tried to put a div in the root and let it append the script so that it wouldn't be ever unrendered. Um, and what do we run into there? What we were doing is we would, we would render it in the root and then we would, um, we would capture its children hmm. and then we would portal those children to, right. to the, where the ad needed to be on each page. So right. the idea is on one page, it's going to be over here and another page it's over there. Like as an example with the mobile page right. and desktop. And maybe on the REPL it's nowhere. Yeah. So we still want that ad to, you know, that's fine, but there's some pages, it just changes its location. So the portaling uh, worked, but uh, the portals will, the, the we were portaling like an ad component and that, when the portal location changes, the, the the node that we're attaching the portal to, um, the component is torn down, right? Because right. we're just capturing children, so like we're rendering children, and then they're unrendering, right? And so that brings us right back to the problem, right? Which is React unmounting something that's async and in, in flight, and we don't yeah. have it's like not cancelable. Yeah. We have no control over it. So. so that's basically the root of the problem, um, and so that wasn't that was a, a good idea, but it didn't work. So now where we landed was we render it outside of React, basically. Um, We have a div that's like a stable div that won't change. And then when the app boots up, it calls load add, which puts that script tag in that stable div and loads it once. And then we have React code that can grab the node of the add once it's loaded and call a pen child on different parts of the app and that seems to work 
Yeah. So we take we render it outside of React, and then our React components that want to render the ad, they have imperative code. They have that, imperative code that goes and like grabs that get document get element by, by ID. ID. Yeah. Grabs it and inserts it into their ref. They have a the, ref of a div that's in their component, yep. and then it just slots it right in there. Um, so, uh, which is nice because some of the things that some of the ro- roads we went down, like we would have code in the JSX that would be like true, but then after we moved things or changed things, it would be like a lie. So it <laughs> said it said like div, and then the ad, but then the ad actually wasn't there. So that's yep. like that's never good <laughs> if like you're the description of your UI doesn't actually yeah, match it intentionally doesn't match it. Um, so that was interesting. Um, so that's kind of where we're at right now. And it seems like, I think I feel pretty good about where, where we got to, but yeah, it was pretty interesting. Um, some of the things that came out of it were like, originally I thought having two instances of the carbon ads component was going to be what gives us problems. Um, but then you realize, like, actually multiple renderings of one instance of the component can give you just as much trouble. So then I was thinking, like, what's the real difference between, like, let's say you have a component that you want to be, a, like, it's intended to be a singleton. But, like, um, and you could do something where if someone renders another instance of it, you, like, throw an error or something like that. Yep. But a lot of the problems that would come up there would come up anyways. Because that single instance is going to be re-rendering a lot. And if your if your component isn't smart enough or like correct enough or like your effects aren't good and robust, re-rendering isn't the problem. The problem is unmounting because oh, that's right. Because when you mount, you start loading the script. But if you already had one that was already being loaded, mm-hmm. you would know that. you're going to get that race condition. Right. Yeah, I think I think you can imagine designing like a component right. that if it ever gets unmounted, it throws an error. Right. And that, right. And like, this is like a global singleton component. Cause like it like there, loads there can some... only be one mm-hmm. mounted mm-hmm. and it, you like wrap it in context to make sure that only one gets rendered. That's interesting. And if it, it has like an uh, effect cleanup, that's literally that only runs on mount and that's literally throw. You tried to unmount me. I can't be unmounted. That's it. <laughs> Uh, it's a G, this is a G-rated <laughs> podcast. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's what she said. But um, uh, no, what I was going to say was um, that's interesting. But like, I don't know if that's even. I just had this thought, like, is that even in the spirit of, of React? No, <laughs> no, no, like, no, clearly no. It's a, no, because in React, we say like one of the benefits of React is everything's a component. And this works out really well for a lot of UI stuff we're building. But what we're talking about here isn't a component. Like yeah. it's not, yeah, it's just not made to be rendered or unrendered. The other thing is like with hooks and function components, like you're not really supposed to think in terms of life cycle as much, but this is like literally about a life cycle, really. I mean, this this script was conceived of from the perspective of a page that has a life cycle that load that renders once. And on a knit, it does the stuff, and then you're good to go. So yeah. there's like an impedance mismatch yeah, between it's... the the way the script was written and the the mental model of React. Yeah, but that I mean, that's just that's a lot of like 95 percent of the time we can make everything work without life cycles, declarative but, boundaries yeah, or whatever. Exactly. But yeah. with, I mean, just the design of this, you put this script tag in HTML, and yeah, it modifies it and puts. I know, but like there's been D3 code that I've written that does that too, but you can still wrap it in a nice boundary because you have better hooks. I think if you had better hooks, like um, if they give you better hooks into the code that was running, then it would solve that a lot of these problems. Like if, if we, carb, if carbon, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, 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 of yeah, course, yeah, of course. Yeah. So that's really like the root problem, but it still felt like there should be an easy way to do it. Yeah, because a lot of times when we're working with third-party libraries, there, there are these imperative APIs, but we're able to like wrap them in a declarative component like interface right but this we don't we don't i mean is it fair to say we don't even have an imperative api here like we're just i mean it's, it's a, a pen app. child it's like but we don't get to call that it would be different if we got to call like no that is it it's like init it's like a pen child is ba- like uh, of the script tag is like you basically call it dot init and it starts it that's imperative right yeah dot run it's like dot run you know, I know, but yeah, okay. So I guess, and then you have no control over what happens after that, which no is the problem. Yeah. No cancellation, no notion of when, 
it works or it doesn't. So the problem is it's async. I had this other problem too with things being async. Um, async cleanup react hook use effect carbon adds. Oh, I guess it was this. It was just, um, I've run into this before. What have we run into this before with um, where we needed async cleanup? It was uh, with the fast refresh stuff. Oh, with Firebase. Because Firebase, you start it with an effect. And if you really wanted to clean it up, let's say you're using Firebase on like the admin page, but if you navigate back, you want to clean it up. Um, it is uh, async to clean it up. So you like return a function that calls like Firebase.destroy and then you can do like dot then. And that might work on some pages, but if you were to do a re-render, it wouldn't work because it wouldn't be cleaned up by the time the next effect ran and tried to create a Firebase app and it would tell you you already have a Firebase app. God, so what do you, you need like some like coordinator really like, in the root that's well, like I'm paused? I can't do anything. It's almost like the effect itself. You don't use the cleanup of the effect. You use the effect itself to... And then you oh, branch based on the state. So do we have an app? Loading. Is is an app being yeah. destroyed or do we not have an app? Those are the three states. But then the tough part is like if you're destroying, you need to do like a dot then and then trigger a re-render so that you can recreate the app. It's just weird. It's weird. It's just weird because like rendering is sync, but like so many things aren't. Yeah, that feels like one of the things where you could you could explain how to do it over like a drink. But when you actually go to write the code, it's just a nightmare of what am I doing? And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, every time this has happened to me with Firebase in particular, I just do this little check of like if firebase.apps.length and then you just don't do it again. But you've broken fast refresh and you've broken the mental model because like your thing is not actually cleaning itself up because you can't. Um, so it's a hack. It's not correct. Whereas like if you had a WebSocket API where you call like subscribe, that's like the canonical example they always give you. And then you return a cleanup function that's like dot unsubscribe. You've cleaned up after yourself, but you can't do that with Firebase because the cleanup is async. Like you just can't do it. Yeah. Well, you would, you would, okay, this is going to be like the easy to do over drinks thing. Yeah. You return the clean, you return a function that does a cleanup. And then if the app tries to re-render and cleanup is happening, you, you're like an invalid state now. You're just you're in a loading screen, or whatever. It's like the suspense version of you throw a promise. Yeah, but so you're like moving the. It's what you. That's said. what I'm you're saying. It's like three states instead of just on and off. And so you really you don't use the cleanup function anymore. You you just you. Well, you can, but use a cleanup function to kick off the cleanup. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that it's clean. By the, the problem is like I still think there's a problem with that though because like. The, the loading state thing is like, I guess that is, I guess that is a state of your application. But what I was going to say is like, um, it's supposed to be like a render. It's supposed to be like rendering your component is supposed to be like, here's all the state. Boom. Here's the output. And it's like, yeah, it's here's all the state. The state is, is cleaning up. It's actually, this is a good, I, I feel like using, um, X state. But then, kinda... like, cleaning up is, like, um, I guess your cleanup function would be would also switch based on the state. Because if it's loading, there's nothing to do. If you have an app, but it's being cleaned up, you wouldn't do anything either. Yeah. You know what I mean? Your app is, in, like, you, you can always render your app. Your app is just in the cleaning up state. I mean, this, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking like this is simple. I would not yeah. want to go anywhere near this. Yeah, code. I think we tried to do this one time, actually, or I tried to do it. Um but it's almost like it's almost like not cleaning up it's it's just rendering a different state like when we set state we don't call that cleaning up no but so if you if you had three states your application where count variable could be 1 2 or 3 and you call set state 1 set state 2 set state 3 you re-render each time with the state you don't use the cleanup function cleaning up is like at the end of this render it's going to be back to how it was, but that's not how it is in this case. Um, like, let's say, let's say you had, let's say you like cleaning up. Let's say like when I render this component, when I move away from it, this might not work, but 
you needed to make an Ajax call to say the the, the person like left the admin. Yeah, that's a great that's a great example. Yeah. Would you use a cleanup function? You wouldn't. You would model that in your app about it would be higher level than that. Cleaning up is about like. Yeah, you, you, you kind of see what I'm saying. You would you would your cleanup function would kick this all off, and then there would be an in between while that Ajax request is in flight. Yeah, but that wouldn't just be like the cleanup function would just clean that this up, and then you would have another render. In that next render, your state would be. I wonder if we could search GitHub for cleanup functions and see if people are doing async things in there because that feels doesn't that feel wrong to you? Wait, have you done that before in like the consulting apps we worked on and stuff? Oh, oh yeah, but 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 to be fair, all the cleanup I've done is fire and fire and forget, so it's not it's async. But like what? Um, I've had to run JavaScript on cleanup. So this was a, the, similar to this carbon example. Uh-huh. One of the apps we worked on is uh, it loads. It's a big company where different teams write their own applications. Uh, and there's an app that manages. It's like the um, coordinator, the coordinator, the yeah. container app yeah. that decides, you know, which page you're on, which which team's app to load. So we have to load JavaScript, clean up that JavaScript, mm. but it's all been fire and forget. Got you. But I think from just doing like working with X state before mm-hmm. and not this, I, I didn't use X state on this app, but it would, it would a new state. It's a new state. It's a new state. Yeah. We're in the cleaning up state. Yeah. And then, so what, it, what does, what does the given UI that do? render is going to happen? Right. What does it look like if we're cleaning up? And right. it's like, yeah, I mean, I guess that's why it has to all be sync because you need to say, what does the UI look like? You can't just wait, even though you'd want to. <laughs> I just want to return a promise. You just want to return a promise. You <laughs> just want, you know, you do. It is it, it it is actually good that as UI developers, we do have to answer the question, yeah. what does the app look like? Yeah. Because it forces us to think about. I know, but backend developers just get a little blue bar <laughs> and they get to do all sorts of crap, yeah. you know, and they don't have to think about all those intermediate states. Hey, who cares if my HTTP server takes, you know, yeah, three thousand milliseconds to respond, or it has like a million permutations of like the first transaction worked, but the second two didn't, and you just return. They get to just you know lump all those together. Um, comes with the territory though, but uh, yeah, it was funny, man. We were like kind of lamenting it a little bit, just how hard this was, because it was like it should have been as easy as dropping a script tag in, and it worked, and like we could have shipped that, and like ninety nine percent of people probably wouldn't have noticed it, so maybe that was the right move. But I wanted to figure it out um how to make it so that it was like a singleton so it's just um yeah it's like stateful it's just back to the stateful ui stuff that makes it tricky um but i think there's going to be some good stuff that comes out of it and there's other use cases in our time doing this kind of thing in the past where we needed a pattern for this so this is like well first it reminded me of like stacked navigation stuff um and then i was also thinking like whether or not uh like components were the right thing here so like you're we're basically trying to like square a a square peg round hole kind of situation where i want to render carbon ad in different places based on what route i'm on and what 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 size the viewport width is but um components are like meant to be reusable basically and or that's what they that's what their affordance is like you can render multiple instances of this thing but really it's meant to be a singleton there's no in react uh, components don't know about other instances of themselves right and that would be like we would look at that as like a code smell of maybe maybe we just slap a static property on the function and then you and check that can Can we we do that i I don't think you can (laughs) like carbon add dot but it's it would be the same as putting some 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 variable and module scope like let's say you ha- oh, you, you oh, know what i'm saying oh, yeah like layout property they do that in, in next that's like exactly what you just said is exactly what next yeah, does yeah, to yeah, do yeah. like uh layouts one, one way to do layouts in next okay I and mean, it's kind of gross but it's also maybe it's fine it's just cool. an easy way to share global state right we're going outside of react there yes. so now we have to manage all re-rendering exactly. yeah exactly yep you're right um you're right so i think the bigger point though is like that's what you said. We don't think of components as singleton. Right. There's no such thing as a singleton component, and it doesn't really make sense. I mean, you could build it. And just error. Like, the DOM just will, like, the browser will just error at you if you have an ID, two IDs of the same thing, but the affordance says that you could do it. Will the DOM even error at you? Some things will error at you. 
You know what I'm saying though? Like, if, I, don't, I don't think it does. I think yeah, have... but it's illegal. I mean, it's not. It's okay. It's like an invalid HTML document or whatever. But um, it would be nicer if if it wasn't even possible. It's like the making impossible states impossible yep. thing, yep. or using a data using the right data structure so that it's not it's not possible to make those kind of errors. Um, but no, when you think about this. Really, it's like you want to separate the loading from the placement. So, yeah, the portal thing was a good attempt, but then the re-renderings were biting us. Uh, the unmounting was biting us. It was it was the unmounting. Yeah, so if you, if you take a portal and you change where it's rendered, that's going to be an unmount. Because you call create portal again, and yep. so it's going to be an unmount. There's basically nothing you can do about it, it seems like. There is a concept called reparenting i wonder if we had another component okay sorry go ahead there's a concept called reparenting and i think there's some add-ons that do this but they're not i think they might use private apis Mm. or they're a little i i would say like let's make sure we've exhausted all options before we go down these these roads but roads i think they let they let components maintain their state and move around the page so like Uh, that that could be things like cursor position and all that i see i see Interesting. Um, but we started using, yeah, a pen child, which uh, will just move the, the child if it already exists. And so that seems to be working all right. So that's a good imperative API from the DOM that we'll be able to wrap in something um, where we can just render. You're not really rendering a, a, a carbon ad. You're rendering like a carbon ad target. And this kind of went to the next discussion, which we haven't done yet, but like we need to figure out how to coordinate these. So like it's really like you're rendering a request. To, what did you say? Like to check out the ad? Yeah. You're you know, gonna, you're going to check out the ad, yeah. which means basically grab its HTML from this, yeah. this div that's outside of the React app. Yeah. Render it inside your ref. Yeah. And then when you're done, you're going to return it. Right. And that, that way you have some notion of coordination so that if there's two rendered, you know, only one person can get it because oh, yeah. only one can check it out. Yeah. Cause you can't reload the thing. Cause that back to the original problem. So that's kind of interesting. I think like, man, I think when we, we're going to have to change the ad when you navigate, mm-hmm. right. Cause we want like the ad to reload or refresh. And I think that's going to be like another set of curveballs that we're going to have to figure out how to do. Well, I mean, again, but the, the very first time the thing renders, let's say the initial render of the app has a carbon ad target in yep. some deep page. And then the root is rendering, of course, which has the actual code that does the load ad stuff. I mean, how is that going to work, right? Basically, the way it's going to work is load ad is going to run. And then maybe at the worst, we'll have to use like a mutation observer um, for at the app level to see when the app ad gets loaded. Mm-hmm. And when it does somehow notify or trigger a re-render such that the child can say, oh, the ad is in the placeholder. Now let me pull it to myself. And so that whole process, we could just repeat that if we need to. So so if, we'd like clear the div? If, if we move it back, if, let's say you go from page one to page two. This guy has a carbon ad. This guy has a carbon ad. This one's going to unmount. So we can know that at the root level because we're going to move it back. We already run code that moves the ad back. And so now, if the parent wants to, every time it gets moved back, you know, or it could just throw it away and then tell the parent, hey, I'm done with the ad. Give me another one. So it's like the children ask for an ad. And then as soon as it gets it, it lets them know. They move it to themselves. And then once they get amounted, that whole thing goes away. And then a new child could just ask for another ad. Um, Interesting. And then, like, the parent could know whether there's, like, an ad on rent, on loan. So <laughs> I can't give you another ad because there's only one yeah. right now. Wow, this sounds really over-engineered. <laughs> um, so easy. You can just drop a script tag. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's just interesting. Um, but, yeah, that was fun. I'd be interested if anyone else has done carbon ads, like how they've done it. Again, there was this package that we found that was just, like, a super naive kind of I just say that in a sense of like, yeah, let's add a script tag to our ref. That's what we started out with. And uh, it was pretty buggy. So um, pretty interesting. Um, if anyone has any ideas about this kind of thing, um, I'd be very interested in it. Um, and then the other thing is like ideas for coordinating that. If that if you've had a situation, we've done this before, one of our Ember apps where we had the header could be like light mode or dark mode based on the page you're on. Like the home page needs to be dark and then the other ones are light. 
and you want children to be able to just say, oh, I'm a dark page, I'm a light page, and not have to have like some object in the root of the app that has like all this information, this knowledge about it. So we've done things where we make like a, a dark dark nav bar component that a child can just render and that somehow communicates with the parent um, that you should render your header because the parent owns the header in dark mode or like putting text in the header of the thing, yeah. you know? Um, but then you get in this situation, again, it's back to this idea of like multiple components kind of affords you this idea that you can render them. So what happens if like the second child renders a dark mode and the third one renders a light mode? You could just say like the last one wins, like the bottom of the stack. That might make sense for that use case. But there's some cases where it's like, what would be a good way to coordinate those kinds of things and make sure, you know, that you're, you have a proper state machine where we're saying what is valid here? What's valid is only one ad or, or only the, the bar is either light or dark. And yeah. what happens when you try to do other things? Last one wins is, is an easy way to resolve it, but you like there's something wrong right it's confusing you've rendered two yeah like you, someone, you, you're someone the probably, app is rendering a light and a dark bar yeah. right now so how do you clearly not that? how do you yeah 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 yes. to know that. yeah i bet there would be some cool like library solutions for that um you know again i'm just thinking it goes back to the way we used x state in the REPL, which is like oh send a load event but that's not a valid action so like you can't send you can only send, you know, a light nav bar action if the state is like default, not if the state is black or something like that. But a nice declarative API for that where children can communicate with the parent will be good. Another thought that we had when we were working on this was like, this has come up before, but like React Context really needs an easy way to do global state because that's like 90%, 95% of the use cases, at least for us. You know, use context because you and you get a provider on the route and then you have to do all this wiring. You really just want something like what Ember has with, with its global services. And um, that'd be really nice when like when like prototyping this stuff and trying to figure out, OK, I need something deep in the tree to communicate, but the thing has to live on the route. Yeah, it's just a lot of wiring. Yeah. It's funny. I've heard people say that like they wish React context was harder to get wired up. Because it's abused so much. Oh, and the fa- but interesting. Yeah. Who'd you hear? Like React people say yeah, that. React people yeah. on Twitter will say that. Yeah. Um, man, it's. It, I mean, we we've known no, people we, do hoops though to get global state, basically. Yeah, I th- I well, I think that, I think there's valid I, use cases for oh, it. I'm absolutely yeah. of course. I yeah. think the argument is, if context was har- harder, people would be more likely to pass data down. Right. And I'm not saying that's good. That's just, just the argument. Saying, yeah, but, um, yeah, I mean, we know we've need, we need context eventually for this solution, or at least we think we do. Yes. And we haven't wired it up yet because it's, yeah, it's a pain in the ass. Yeah, totally. Um, so we maybe we'll have an update on that next week because that'll be interesting. But I was hoping to get that done this week. But you know what? Beer 30 is calling, so it's just <laughs> not going to happen today. Um, the other thing here on my list was I added... Well, I added auth to my... Okay, so I have my personal journal, my work journal that I do, and I added Firebase to it. So that was like my last YouTube video where I just converted it basically from like a static page to... um, It's like generated with Firebase, and I got to use incremental static regeneration. I think we talked about that in the last episode, right? Because I was like halfway through it or something, or maybe I had already done it. I can't remember. I think you were in the process. I think you did it, but you were editing the video. Got you. Man, that was just still such an awesome experience. Also, it's like even better. I love that. I started with use effect and fetch and stuff. And then you just move it down to get static props, which is an async function. So it's even better. And then it just works. And you don't have to worry about re-renders or anything like that. <laughs> you just get the data. Because it's a simple use case in that case, right? Yep. But then for the, the admin side, I let it stay and use effect land because I don't want it server rendered. I don't care about that. And I care more about consistency. So this was kind of a fun little thing where... I learned about the cap theorem like a couple months ago when I started my YouTube stuff and I made a video on it. And, you know, if you want it to be fault tolerant, you have to choose between consistency and availability. And you want high availability for something like the public part of my work journal or like the homepage of TED.com. What's more important that someone can get TED.com homepage in, you know, 150 milliseconds or that it's within five seconds of new information? Obviously the former. So availability is what you prioritize at the expense of consistency because you can't have both because the cap theorem. Whereas 
if there's an editor and we had this happen to us all the time we worked there there was an editor there and they changed something and they open the editing page and it hasn't changed it's like frustrating um so usually on admin pages you want to prioritize consistency of the data so that you're never looking at stale data at the expense of availability which just means it will take a little bit longer like a rails app if you save something you're going to wait for the result to come back because it's going to go to origin to fetch the right the latest version of the data right so um and that's like the tension here like with the next model you're like pre-rendering things and putting them out on the edge which means like you're getting farther away from origin so it's faster but you could be stale but the next Vercel stuff is so good. I mean, it almost feels like you don't even give it up because you just put revalidate one. It's a one second. It's like it, the oldest you'll ever see is one second. So that's basically like who cares, right? Um, and this is only for the public view. The admin view is instant, right? The No, the public view is, in, in, is instant. The pu- I wonder if you can see this on my thing. The public view is instant. Um but uh so if you go to sam selkoff right now you can see this right you can i can see yeah i'm just going to show you because it's just so cool if you go here and you click work journal boom it's instant so that's edge served and everything you know if you refresh this it's edge and everything like that right so now uh i'm going to go here and the point of the story was that i added auth with firebase and it took me like it was awesome it was so fast it was crazy (laughs) um and i just created a user inside of firebase and and then I wrote an auth rule and a string, which is the shit you were complaining about yeah, five years yeah. ago. Is, is but it was fine. Yeah. I mean, get, get me out of here. <laughs> but check this out. So I just go to work journal and I just go to um, hyphen admin like this. And then th- these are all my entries right here. And anyone can see this data. It's public. But if you try to write it without a session, it won't work. But check this out, man. Uh, today's the ninth is the 11th right here. So um, interesting thing. Actually, work. We're we're doing work. So I'm going to say podcast, right? Podcast. And uh, you can see how laggy it is because I have some performance issues that we can talk about when I fix them. Um, I'm going to create the entry. That's it. It's done. So now this is the public page, right? So if I refresh this, we're not going to see it. Right. That's that's. But But then if I refresh it again, I'll see see it. it. Right. And that would happen. Like I can just do ASDF. Watch how fast this is. I mean, it's just, it's almost instantaneous, but this is a static page that somehow pushed out to the edge. <laughs> how is that possible? Yeah. I don't know. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's amazing. basically as fast as, I mean, it's, as, it's, it, if you had to tell someone at any job we've ever done, oh, just, you know, wait a second and refresh the page, you know, it's not that bad. Oh, I think that would be totally fine answer. Now, this is the hard thing is that when you're clicking around this, you're not going to see it because it's a single instance of the app. So you're not. Does that make sense? So. Yeah, but but that's. So let me delete this one right here. This says DGFDS, right? I'm going to come find it in my awesome editor. I'm going to delete this. Okay, so right now it's gone. Like origin says there is no there is no none of that. So if I refresh this. I'm still going to see it. So I'm looking at a stale copy of the app right now. And right now, because you refreshed it, it's gone off and revalidating it. Yes, but I'm looking at a stale version. So if I click around, well, that one updated somehow. I'm not sure how that one updated. I doesn't get get static props run every time you enter the component. I don't think so. I think it's used once to generate the page. I thought I did. I thought I, I tested this and it didn't do that. Let me try it again. So I'm going to refresh this. This is podcasting. I'm going to delete podcasting. Delete it. I'm going to refresh this. We see podcasting. Go to projects. Podcast back here. Okay. Now I'm really <laughs> impressed and confused. You you could. Get static props is run once. Maybe they do like a revalidation of it on the client. Because I was going to say, that would be my next thing. Let's say that it didn't update because you you just got the version that was pushed yep. to the CDN. And you there's no use effect code here. There's no client-side data fetching code here. So what's happening? And I was like, okay, now you have to do like a use SWR kind of thing where you like, you just, you're, you're using get static props for the initial render, but then you also have to layer that in. If, 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 yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which would kind of suck, but I don't understand. 
It would be interesting to see. I don't understand how they revalidated that. How that new data is getting into the app as you click around. I wonder if they know that like, look, you're, you're requesting a page component that's been revalidated since the last time you were here. And maybe it's just because it's a client side. Maybe if I click here on the client and I go, so that would be an interesting question. If we click on work journal, by the way, this is a probably bad, bad radio podcast topic, considering that no one can see this. Yeah, I know. I will explain it. We'll, we'll just one more, one more little experiment. I think it'll be fine. Um, I'm just curious. What if I start here on this, go to XHR. So I start on projects, right? And then I click on work journal and it's getting page props entries. Okay. So yeah, I think it might re I, I mean, I don't, I don't know enough about how get static props works, but it might, the individual pages, it's not used for the, the view source generated thing, but it is used for client side navigation. So basically you're going to go back and, and hit that, that get static props is basically an API call for the page. Yes. And I'm, it's going to yeah, run yeah. again. I'm guessing, which makes sense. It's used saw. both on the server and for client, but because it revalidated in the background, the next time you hit it, you'll get it. That's awesome. The revalid getting back to like what's blowing your mind, the revalidation stuff is a, is amazing because yeah, it's usually you're like, Oh, well this, how often does this page change? Right. Once a day. So I'll cache it for a day. Exactly. Um, and we just don't, yeah. And like there are tools that will do revalidation, but generally like those tools aren't accessible. Um, Right. They're a pain in the ass to, right. to get working. So the, pain fact, in the, ass. the fact that this works is... is yeah, it's, and it's just yeah. a function alongside your component is insane. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, you do have... In the admin area, you do have yeah. use effects. Yeah, so yeah. In the admin area, you would never see stale get data static if props. you edited oh, something correct. saved. So I... I it, correct. There is an awesome... Oh, yeah. You can tweak it based oh, yeah. off your requirements. Oh, so yeah. It's not, you're not all in on one or the other. Yeah. Because there wouldn't be no reason to use get static props for the admin. I mean, it would give you a fast initial paint, but like, um, it's not it's not important for for SEO or exactly. And also, you're going to be mutating data. So again, you just want to prioritize consistency. So you only want one. You only want one way to do the data fetching on that on that part of the site because and, and the and the persistence because you're going to be doing it anyway. You're going to be crudding data anyways. Why also duplicate the logic and get static props? That would just give you like a fast initial render, I guess, but it doesn't really matter because you care more about the freshest data. So it's amazing. Yeah. Dude. It's really the boundaries that they got are incredible. Um, there was some other point I was going to make about that. I felt about this, like get static props is like a, a, a reverse proxy. Um, I was thinking about Ember map and how um, like we always go to origin to like coalesce the data and then give it to us. Yep. Like as a, and we have that node server that we run. Yeah, that's what it is because it's running a node server. It's get static props is a, is a node function that's running a node server. So I'm running a node server in production for my personal website. And I, <laughs> all I wrote was a function. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Isn't that insane? Yeah. How long did it take us to write that node server for production for Embermap? Oh, forever. But also, we. And it also doesn't even work as wait, well as but this. We have to like monitor its memory yeah and yeah it's insane i mean serverless it's yeah. insane i i literally have my personal site has a node server running in production and i wouldn't do that if you held a gun to my head if you told me i had to deploy a node <laughs> server production for my personal side i'd be like i'm gonna go become a tulip farmer <laughs> turnip farmer whatever that guy on youtube says isn't that cool it's like a reverse proxy like it's like you get to you, you, I could query Instagram. I could query all this stuff and get static props, pull it all together. And my front end would be talking to it as if it were a single API call. It doesn't know about any of that stuff. It's putting it all together. And right. That's what a reverse proxy is. You don't know who you're talking to. Like you, you don't know who the person behind the wall is. It's like, you're just hitting an API endpoint at your own server mm-hmm. and it's doing all this other stuff. And, um, the fact that they manage the infrastructure and stuff is just gushing man i'm like <laughs> i'm like i want to take these people to prom you know it's it's so good now, um, do, now does get get static props must be like a cached value that gets revalidated how does that work yeah i think 
yeah, I think I think we just figured it out. Well, we knew how it worked with the, the static generation, right? But they're just it's just a the way I think about it is like it's a function, it's a serverless function that returns instantly with the cash value and then in the background, basically exactly like we wanted to do with Embermap mm-hmm. with our node server, which is and then kicks off a new exactly where something like uh, get server side props would be would be runtime. Run so I request something and it doesn't serve me a cash value. Exactly. It goes off and gets that data to me like on demand. Right. And gives it back. Exactly. I, I mean, between that static props, server side props, and then just like use effect and API routes. It feels like you can build anything. Think about all the apps that we've built, all the problems we've run into, the different gradients of wanting more availability and it to be faster versus having it to be more like real-time data and not seeing, and, oh, and just refresh saying, oh, the page. This is, how, this is our architecture. Make it work within that architecture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's pretty insane. Pretty powerful. It's extremely powerful, man. <laughs> it's extremely powerful. And it's my freaking personal site. Like, <laughs> in, the, in this page is like super fast. It will always be super fast. And I never have to think about it. But now I can just edit it in Firebase. I haven't written a line of back end code. You know, Firebase is just some code in my front end. You know, just take, taking a step back here, talk about, you know, weekend um, adoption hypothesis. Mm-hmm. I mean, the next big app that we have to build is going to be. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be thinking about how could you not be think about on this? Next yeah. Vercel. Yeah. All because of your yeah. work journal. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, that's true. That's true because, and this is why. This is why when I was, I was talking about this in my video, where I was like, uh, you know, Gatsby renders a React app, and you can do anything you want with it. But I knew when I wanted to get this fast backend stuff, and you made this point last time where I was kind of like, oh, who cares about how much JavaScript is rendered or is sent up? I don't really care. I just want to act like a native app developer. But the reality is. You know, it's not true. We didn't want that for Ember Map. We wanted a certain amount of speed um, for Ember Map, right? Are both these things still recording? All right. We want we want a certain amount of speed for the homepage because you're sharing a link on Twitter and you click on it and it pops up, right? You want that. Uh, it's impressive. It feels good when a website does that. And so we went, we invest a lot of engineering effort to get a node reverse proxy server in front of our Rails app that can cache some data and serve it up fast. That can, it can cache the rendered output of our Ember app and, um, that was a lot of work. And uh, so I felt the same thing with this where I'm like, if I'm sharing this every week, it's just a fun little thing. But like it shouldn't have – I don't want it to do a loading screen. It's just a static thing. <laughs> and that's also why like it's so tempting to start with something like a Gatsby where or Next where you're just – you just put it in the co- – it's just code. So it's just static data and it's going to be there at build time. That's why static site generators got so popular because they're fast and simple and this basically makes it feel like the same thing except you're writing dynamic code so it feels like you have a static output that you can just throw up uh onto any content server anywhere because it's just static content it's not running code but behind the scenes you know Vercel is running the code once getting the static output putting it on content server and that's the simple part but then they layer this in and it feels like you're back to writing a php app which is just incredible that they managed to do that yeah the the revalidation doesn't it makes it feel like you've just gone from static to dynamic and without yeah there's like a tiny little trade-off there right with like a one second delay or right the, but you don't feel that you feel right. like you're writing a dynamic app and that's right. that's the important part it's also super fast so like if i was writing a rails app and you click update and then it like does the request and then it paints the new page with the fresh data this is like you click update it's like instant because it does this little firebase thing where like sends this tiny little bit of json over and then you go back and you're like okay i'll refresh and it works you can imagine working these pieces together such that no one was ever surprised by stale data and also that the home pages and the critical pages were pre-rendered and pre-generated when they needed to be um, like the Ted.com case. So I just feel like you have so much tools in your toolbox here. You can achieve anything you need to. And the fact that the, the real thing here is like the gradient between them is just unbelievably smooth where I just literally take my data fetching code from the effect and I move it down 10 lines into a new function, the same code and it just works, but now I have I've chosen to again prioritize availability 
over consistency. And that is involved moving eight lines of code within one file, <laughs> not setting up a new node server, not doing anything else. I mean, remarkable, man. Remarkable. Now, Firebase, this is my other thing I wanted to talk about, which was, um, oh, while we're talking about next, you, you just had this nice point you made when we were chatting in the Slack like a few weeks ago. You said, I was talking about feeling fast with next and, um, and low level tools because you can understand them easily. Like Gatsby has all these hooks. I think we talked about this in the last episode, whereas next, like you're just looking at a function and there's only so much to figure out there. You don't have to look at API docs a lot. You can copy a function example and then just tweak it to your needs. And, um, quote, just focus on your app is not all about high level APIs. You said that, and I like that. Yeah, yeah. Next. Do you remember what what you were talking about I mean, there? I mean, next. I feel super fast in next too, and um, yeah, I would think that like I wouldn't. I would think that like no, for me to be fast, I need an ORM. Right. I need something like Rails. Right. Um, I need a, a bazillion conventions. Oh, next, next actually does have a lot of conventions. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would need the high level, um, you know. Active, build active me an app director. computer build me an yeah. app and the, i don't i don't have that with next i, I have to write use effect and data right. fetching but i don't i don't feel slow right and so um yeah i think i had said that like yeah it's not all about high level apis right. and you had pointed out that it's like boundaries are more important right and i think that's um yeah i think that's i mean that's dude i love next yeah it's <laughs> awesome i know i wish i could just see the future and look over there our next hundred episodes and see which one is next. Why next JS is the word. Why I'm leaving <laughs> why, next why JS. I don't know why. Cause I know we're on the hype train right now, but it is awesome. I mean, it just also is just nice that it's a, it is a smaller surface area. You still do have to do a lot of stuff. Obviously doesn't do anything with styling. Data fetching is basically up to you, but like, but these boundaries are obviously related to data fetching. They've thought about it. Um, you know, it would just be interesting to build some of the bigger apps, where where ORMs have been nice and forms and all that stuff and you know but again they they I like that a lot of Next is extracted too from their work on the dashboard and you know the stale while revalidate stuff is very powerful and it sidesteps a lot of the issues if you can tolerate a little bit of staleness again if you can tolerate a little bit of staleness then what do you get you get the ability to write a function and not have to manage a server so there's a lot of power in in those trade offs. Yeah. And I think in the past I would have said that I'm not willing to make those trade-offs. But I know but if you're not willing to make those trade-offs, you just don't you do all the work on the client. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not that it's what everyone else that's writing SPAs today is doing. So Yeah. Yeah. Super interesting, man. Super interesting stuff. Um 59 minutes, let's just wrap up real quick with the Firebase thing. I do like Firebase. I, I'm using it. I add it all so fast. It was awesome. But I, it's like really hard to get over the data stuff. My app, my next, samstockop.com is a next site. It's also a Firebase site now, which is weird to me. <clears throat> because Firebase is on the other side of the HTTP boundary. So should it be a Firebase app? Or should Firebase just be providing me with an HTTP API that I can call like Hasura? So I just don't like that I'm importing Firebase everywhere having to use it directly and i don't know how the data moves i don't know how to mock it out um my data modeling is in firebase i think i'm going to just switch it to hasura so you would rather make fetch calls i think so because then i get to leverage the entire graphql ecosystem i can't do that with firebase i can't explore the data using graphical now i do have firebase uh has a ui but it's not that good like and the real-time database thing when you start off yeah, the onboarding isn't as nice as like, um, okay, here, create a table, model it, add some records. They just give you like a blank thing. You can just start clicking add. And I know I'm not familiar with it. I'm new to it. But again, this, but that's part of the point. Yeah. Firebase is a thing to learn. Postgres is a standard thing I understand and know. So is JSON APIs. And now so is GraphQL. So when thinking about good long-term investments, Next feels like, a good investment compared to even something like a Gatsby for me now, because it is so low level. So much of my site is just react code right now. Even the data fetching stuff, if it's in and get static props, it's still like a single function, which is just so good. Um, but then I have all this Firebase stuff and I think I'd rather have GraphQL stuff because 
I could just change that. The gra- graphical is a really, it's a, it's a really good point. Mocking it with Mirage. I would have loved to build it with Mirage and just develop it and I have and have tests to get. I don't have tests against my work journal stuff because I just didn't. And I was like, that's something else to learn. But like how to test an app that talks to an HTTP GraphQL API, I can do that in my sleep. So um, those things are hard for me to like, Firebase is awesome. It's been around for 10 years. It's not going anywhere. I, I, I don't think, th- I think you're making like a false dichotomy i know that this is true today but it it uh, why couldn't there be a firebase that has graphql well and like oh there oh there definitely could be but there's not yeah right and they have their own query language i don't know how all that stuff works it's like it's just stuff it feels a little it feels like the most riskiest part of my project right now whereas whereas even though hasura is a business that could go out of business. It's not, but we, yeah, it's not about that because we don't, we don't have crystal ball. We don't, can't say, oh, this is, this is going to. And fail. it's not because I don't, I don't think it's because I think Firebase could go out of business. I just think it's because, yeah, I want to like get, I want to get, I want to be able to leverage their the GraphQL tool, their ecosystem. Tooling can easily lag yes. where the rest yes. of JavaScript is going. How many people are using GraphQL right now? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Also, like that knowledge and like that that experience you gain. You're going to be able to use it on your personal projects. You're going to be able to use it at companies that are using GraphQL because companies are not just going to be able to use Firebase. You can't tell them that. But, you know, you can share your knowledge about how to work with React, even if they're not using Next, because so much of Next is React because the boundaries are good in the same way the GraphQL stuff has good boundaries. Mm-hmm. Hasura has a good boundary. Hasura is is a GraphQL API, but if you had to switch it, you would know how to, you would absolutely know how to, you could re-implement it yourself. Even if you changed it, all my data is in a Postgres database. Yeah. If I had to build a Rails GraphQL API on that database, I would be fine with that. That's that, that's like something I could I totally mean, do. Shit, if you just wanted to write some queries yeah, to exactly. aggregate some data, yeah. it's just SQL. Exactly. So that stuff made me like, even though it was awesome and easy, also, I would still use Firebase Auth for my Hasura app because that is just what I've done before and I loved it. And like their their API is like, it's like Auth0 shouldn't exist. I mean, they should just use or or, or Auth0 should consult Firebase how to write APIs like, like sign in with email and password as opposed to all the crazy stuff the last time I used Auth0 was. Sorry if anyone works at Auth0, but it was just very confusing. It was for a different market. Firebase does a really good job you add auth, you can create users right there very easily and give them roles and permissions. And then you just sign it in with, you know, with Firebase and it's super easy. And then, uh, but I like that, that that's a little boundary of my app that's auth. Okay. I'm using Firebase for that. That's fine. But from here on out, the data layer is just GraphQL can mock it out with Mirage can test against it. I don't know how to mock Firebase. It's like uses WebSocket, you know? <laughs> i'm not gonna i don't i don't want to do it and they don't tell you what it does yeah i mean well I, I it's fair from their point of view it's like this is just an implementation detail Here's of course the API, but yeah yeah i think it's funny i think it is amazing there's no question it's just i'm like sitting there reading docs and i'm like would i rather be getting reps in with graphql is that a better longer term investment i think it is yeah as lame as this sounds i think just graphical is enough to convince I me know. of this argument it's just it's a tool. It works. We're every, familiar with it, it. It works everywhere. Yeah. For anyone that's using GraphQL. Yeah. And the experience is awesome. And that's just like, yeah, it's a death by a thousand cuts when you end up, you can't use this. You can't use this. Oh, don't worry. It's just the same. We have subscriptions. We have real time, but it's not. It's it's just. So, yeah, I, I can get behind that. It, you're, you're totally right, man. Even with the graphical thing, it's like, uh, okay, now I have my work journal entries in there and it's like. How do I get them? And it's like, yeah, I just have to go read docs. And it's like, that's fine. But if it was a GraphQL, I would just know it, right? The first time I used Hasura, I got data so fast because I didn't have to go read docs. And again, Firebase's docs are great, but I just didn't even have that step with Hasura because I knew how to do it because we had worked with Gatsby. You know, I wonder if we can just leave on this thought, but when AWS first came out, AWS was not the whatever 200 300 aws services that we have youtube video by the way (laughs) no the song no about all the different uh, the guy playing the piano to all the different oh man i have to send it to you it's great we'll put it in the show notes it it was it was just ec2 you got a virtual machine it was like ec2 and s3 you got a virtual machine Mm -hmm. and And a bucket 
Yeah. And it was a, you know, a Linux server that you could log into and run Nginx. And it was, it was familiar. You didn't feel like you were like you using these APIs that you didn't, that you were locked into. It was, yeah, it was very easy to switch from whatever hosting you were doing to an EC2 instance. Now there were some things about EC2 that were different. Like it was ephemeral and, you know, Back in the day, most people were just writing crap to their server's hard drive. Right, right. <laughs> but, but this idea that, like, yeah, I have I have Nginx running. I have a load balancer going here. Like, that, it made sense. Now, Huge for adoption, you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Now, with AWS, it's like, oh, you need a container? Just run EKS or whatever, EC, whatever the container service is. Um, you need an AWS expert to hire. Yeah. To and even get it going. Just every little piece is there's an AWS. And it's awesome. Like AWS is awesome. Um, I wonder if, if, yeah, it feels like Firebase is it, 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 too it, far. It, it didn't have that beginning part, yeah. which was like welcoming in people with familiar tech and like starting off on shared understanding, shared bases. It's, it, it's, it's, it's interesting hearing this story and how good Firebase is and yet how like you as a developer, just like, I don't want to mess with this. That's, yeah. That seems like there's something off there. Yep. Yep. I agree. Well, we'll have to um, wait to the next episode to find out what happens next. (laughs) Awesome. I think it's beer o'clock. What do you say? All right, let's do it. Hey, thanks for joining us, everybody. We will see you next week. Bye-bye.